0: Hello and welcome to this week's edition of My Camino, the podcast. I'm Dan Mullins and it's great to have your company. Each week I speak with a pilgrim who has completed the Camino de Santiago in Spain, the ancient pilgrimage that winds its way over the French Alps through northern Spain to the Spanish city of Santiago de Compostila where, we're told, the remains of Christ's apostle, St. James, are interred. Well, this week, my guest is the Canadian writer, blogger, and life coach, Sue Kenny. Sue, welcome.
1: Hi. Th- thanks, Dan. It's great to be a part of this.
0: Let's start with a few facts and figures. Can you actually tell me how many times you've walked the Camino?
1: Oh, my goodness. Um, I first walked the Camino in 2001. I went alone in the winter and had really a life-altering experience uh, that, that changed my world forever. Um, And then um, after that, I I wrote a book and people started contacting me and they wanted me to take them on the Camino, but I really felt that uh, you should walk the Camino alone. So I kept saying no to them, but eventually I, I did decide to take a group. And once I took a group, I found out that you don't have to walk the Camino alone, that you can have the same kind of life altering experience by taking a group. So I've since taken um, 16 groups.
0: <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, we're going to talk about the psychology of the Camino shortly because I know that's something you're very passionate about. But I just wonder, Sue, had you heard of the mystical nature of, of the journey before you went that first time?
1: Yes, but you can imagine in 2001, there was very little information about the Camino and the internet wasn't. You know what it is today you couldn't when, when I googled uh, the Camino I, I basically read a few stories of pilgrims they were like blogs but um, you know very early versions of blogs and there were a few forums uh, where you could get some information about the Camino and maybe talk to a couple of people but basically um, when I told people I was going to walk across the north of Spain Alone, they they just they thought I was crazy, Um, and especially when I told them I was going to follow yellow arrows, um, and I didn't even really have a guide. You know, at that time, you know, there wasn't a lot of information available, so it was more about leaving this world completely and stepping into the unknown.
0: Yeah, I'm very much looking forward to going back in in just a couple of weeks' time, and that's one of one aspect of it I'm very excited about. In actual fact, and you, yeah. you say you're a pilgrim in life by practicing living the virtues of being a simple pilgrim every day. What is a pilgrim, Sue?
1: Well, you know the definition of of a pilgrim, I believe, is someone who's on a journey with a with a destination in mind. Um, For me, when I came home from the Camino, I longed to hold on to the feeling, the experience, the way of living, that, that simple life of just carrying everything you need on your back and trusting in the kindness of others and not knowing where I was sleeping that night. All of those things I hadn't experienced in my life, truly. So when I came home, this idea of the virtues of being a simple pilgrim of never walking past a pilgrim in need of, you know, not judging others, but remaining open and helping, helping people in life. I, I really wanted, I wanted that. So I basically decided when I came home that I was going to be a pilgrim in life. And, and I believe that I could, um, I could do that. And in fact, you know many many years later i i feel as though i'm still walking as a pilgrim in life
0: and you say you love to use your voice to share stories and to inspire people to live and create from a place of love there's a great love on the camino isn't there
1: ah uh, there is a great there are many loves on the camino you know from loving the country and the countryside and and loving the people, the villagers, and then loving other pilgrims. And then, you know, I think one of the greatest gifts I was given was this idea of learning to love myself. And uh, it was something that I struggled to manage or to even consider here at home um, because I didn't, I just thought, you know, that I had three children, three teenage children, I had a job, I had... All kinds of things going on, you know, family to consider, and the idea of loving myself seemed quite selfish to me. But on the Camino, all that time spent outdoors in nature with people who are living this, you know, the simple life again—it's—it's um, it's easier to slow down and forget all the hustle, bust, hustle and bustle, and and just stay focused on being rather than, you know doing all these busy things.
0: And certainly if you do strip back a little bit of that or a lot of that hustle and bustle, that gives the heart more time to open, doesn't it?
1: Yes, it gives the heart time to open. I like the way you're saying that because I felt on the Camino, when I put a backpack on, I, I had this feeling when I first put my backpack on that the straps around my shoulders were actually pulling my chest open ever so slightly as though I was physically being forced to, to open my ribs to, and then open my heart and, and walk probably more upright than I had been and, and to walk towards my destination with my heart open. And, and, and just all of the time that you have alone, the time that you have to think and ruminate uh, about what's important in life um, allows us the freedom to, to open our heart, which sometimes we don't have that at home. But I found out since I came home that you can find it here. It's just a question of looking for it differently.
0: Yeah, it does. In fact, I walked for a few days with a group of Canadians last year. They're very much like Australians, I think, Sue, in being very social people. That makes it easier to be a pilgrim, doesn't
1: it? (laughs) Yes, it sure does. Yeah. And they're happy people. And the Camino, very rarely on the Camino do I find people who are um, confrontational or angry. It really seems to be more of a place of peace, or people come together and, and, of course, they're going through things in life. And sometimes, you know, they're, they've been through quite you know serious situations, whether it's an illness or a death or a change in their life. But, yeah, people love to, to laugh and enjoy themselves and have great conversations on the Camino, and that certainly helps.
0: And you coach and guide groups, as you said, heading off to walk, What's the most important yeah. thing they f- what's the most important thing they need to know
1: um do you mean the most important thing they need to know in terms of um, technically like packing or more or, you know, more about details? Ha-
0: more about how they should prepare let's say emotionally
1: emotionally what I like to do with with the pilgrims who are embarking on the Camino is to begin to open their mind to the idea of what it is to be a simple pilgrim to pare life down to the things that they can control versus the things they can't control, the things that they absolutely need in life versus you know the things that you know sometimes you know we tend to in particular in North America you know we tend to just um, have... Too much, you know, um, and so I teach them to be a pilgrim in life before they even leave for the Camino so that when they get on the Camino, the idea is then to practice as a pilgrim being a pilgrim. And then the intent is that when they come home, it will be easier to integrate the, the idea of being uh, living, you know, by the virtues of being a simple pilgrim in their daily life. And that really starts with the the core of all of that is non-judgment. And so really beginning to look at life and not judging people or things, um, and rather just pausing, waiting a moment before the judgment is made, and just look at the situation, become more of an observer. And then from that state of observing the situation that you're in or observing the person that you're communicating with or maybe having, you know, w- w- whatever it is, then we have a chance to pause and just m- make a decision about the way we want to be rather than reacting in, in a way that we might have done so before. And, and pilgrims offer... So many opportunities to let go or unclutch, you know, the desire to judge somebody or try and figure out, you know, who they are, what they're doing or why they're doing that. And instead just pause and, and Mm. be with that person.
0: And so, yeah, go on.
1: Yeah. And we spend, so we spend a lot of time um, preparing spiritually or emotionally to, to, to not judge. And the other thing is because we're going to another country and we're guests of the country Spain. And sometimes we have expectations about the way we should be served or the way we should be treated in a restaurant or things we're accustomed to here at home. And by being less judgmental about the way other countries work, you can just you know embrace it. And if you're You know, if your bill doesn't show up and you're just sitting there waiting rather than being annoyed that the bill hasn't showed up, by the end of the Camino, my pilgrims are, you know, are no longer rushing out of a restaurant, no longer hurrying a meal. They're, you know, they're involved in the meal and they're enjoying the culture and the people and, and each other.
0: So what has the Camino taught you in terms of what we can let go of in life? Do you think?
1: Well, I think for me, one of the most important things the Camino taught me was the idea of movement and at the same time ruminating or meditating or contemplating or you know any of the above. But this idea that um, when I when I'm in a state of meditation or when, this is when I'm by myself, and I'm moving forward, it's easier to let go and put things down or, uh, you know, as I said earlier, unclutch, just um, give it, hand it over to the Camino, let the Camino work with it. And it gave me a chance to finally stop trying to, um, you know, uh, sort through everything on my own. Uh, There are People along the way, there are conversations that take place and it's through the conversation that often we learn what it is that either what it is we believe in or, or the way that we're speaking or the place we're coming from. It becomes clear when you speak to somebody and as you're doing right now, you're asking me my ideas and I'm, I'm talking to you about them and it clarifies in my mind what I truly believe in. Um, rather than what I might have been doing in the past that wasn't what I believed in. Um, because I, I worked in the corporate world for over 20 years before I walked the Camino. Uh, so I, I, I lived in this environment that was very much about you know, doing what you were supposed to do, making sure that you covered yourself, make sure, making sure that you, know, you, you did what was expected um, in, a, in a very business way. And the Camino has given me the freedom to let go of that, to be more of myself. And, you know, a couple of years after I walked the Camino, I remember saying something to someone and and I've never forgotten. It's kind of my own quote that I've never forgotten because it's so important to me. And what I said was in, uh, and it was during a talk that I did in front of a group, actually. And what I said was, You know, it took me twenty-nine days to walk seven hundred and eighty kilometers. And with each step I took forward, I walked back to myself and in the process discovered that everything I needed was within me. And I think that's that's the lesson on the Camino, is that it's just it's all here we don't have to look beyond this it's yeah. here
0: now yeah that's right yeah and, and and one other that's that's a really i love that i love that so much but i've said here many times the Camino's brilliant sue because everyone you meet is a pilgrim it doesn't know yeah. the camino doesn't know what you do for a living doesn't care how much money you make or where you live
1: yeah you, you really or what are, car you drive or that's,
0: what it doesn't yeah. matter and, and you know i did i've I very, very, if, if I can't even remember once hearing somebody say, what do you do for a living?
1: Yeah, I know.
0: It, it's more about, tell me your story, isn't it? Yes. And it's very... And who... very And that's really liberating, isn't it?
1: It is. And that's why, you know, what you said earlier about using my voice, when I came home from the Camino, I realized that I had a voice, that I had something to say. And, um, and that then I wanted to share the stories of the Camino. Back in 2001, when I came home, nobody knew about the Camino, but I kept telling the stories. And people were curious, extremely curious, about why would somebody choose to walk 800 kilometers? Like, well, are you crazy? Why would you choose that? Um, and the, the Camino gives you a chance to speak. It gives you a chance to be heard in a different way. And it is through all of the pilgrims that you meet. And it's through this idea, as you said, nobody cares what neighborhood you live in. We often, I always wanted to know what country people were from because I found that interesting. Um, and, And in 2001, like in the early days, we used to always introduce ourselves by our first name and the country we're from. So I would always say, hi, I'm, you know, Sue from Canada. And that, that was kind of the way it's done. Today, some people do that, but it's not as common. But still, we don't, we don't want to know where people live or what, you know, what kind of a car the driver, as you said, what, what job they have. We want to hear their voice. Mm,
0: yeah. And it's fantastic too. You say on your website, it- isn't it, the world is waiting for you to be just your authentic self, nothing more, yeah. nothing less. So why do you think it is that people find it so hard to be themselves? And the reason I'm asking you that, Sue, is because I know that you would have seen many before and after stories. Why do people, do you think, find it so hard to be themselves?
1: Well, I think I know my own story and what I've seen and heard, and I think generally people are good. People are good-hearted. They're good nature. And maybe it's, it's hard to be ourselves because if we feel that it isn't enough, do more. Or maybe if we were ourselves, like, what if somebody didn't like you, if you were being your authentic self? How terrible would that be? And so, I don't know. I, I know myself that I tried to please a lot of other people. And I tried to please people in my life. And I put myself last. Um, and I, I don't know, you know, if that if that's true. I know it's true for some people, but not necessarily everyone. But it's this idea that when we do find our authentic self, when we do stand on our own two feet and be all that we are being, that is enough. It's OK. <laughs> it's enough. And I always think of the the Buddha has this great saying that is, you know, enough. And it relates more to food, but it can relate to this as well. And, and what the Buddha says, enough is too much. And just the idea that you can just be enough, and even that is too much. You can, you can be too much. I, I don't know. I think, I think it's, it's this idea of being a simple pilgrim, and that is enough for the world.
0: You say life as a pilgrim is a metaphor for being on a life journey with purpose. Just explain what you mean by a life journey with purpose.
1: Yeah, well, it's going back to just being your authentic self. So, purpose, it doesn't mean that you have to, you know, shift the world or that you have to bring millions of people together for, you know, some cause or it's about being your authentic self and whatever that is, I believe that we each have a purpose or at least a purpose, uh, uh, something that we can contribute to the world that is important. And it doesn't have to be, um, huge. It can be something, something, you know, as simple as, you know, for some people writing a blog or look at what you're doing. Look at this work that you're doing by offering a podcast and sharing stories of other pilgrims. Um, That's, to me, that's a purpose. And by just being your authentic self and asking the questions you know that people want to hear and introducing other people to the world, that's enough. It's enough. It doesn't have to be it can be it doesn't have to be the most successful blog in the world or the most successful podcast in the world. It's enough if we can contribute something. And I believe if everybody did that, if everybody lived their you know their their journey with purpose or they were on a life journey with purpose, that the world would just be a better place. It would be a happier place. we'd have less more peace, less hunger you know, we we would be able to share uh, from that place, which is a place of love.
0: That's a very powerful and a very simple message. That's brilliant. Now, you've written books, one called My Camino, The True Story of a Woman Confronting Her Deepest Fear and Confessions of a Pilgrim. It's kind of a common theme there. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So I imagine it was cathartic writing of your experiences then, Sue.
1: It was absolutely cathartic. However, I didn't have any intention of writing my first book. I only kept a diary that was the most intimate personal diary I'd ever recorded in my entire life. I grew up in a family with seven kids, and if I wrote anything down and somebody found it, um, you know, there was a good chance that everybody else was going to see, hey, look what Sue wrote. You know, it, would be, it wouldn't, <laughs> you know, it wouldn't it's, it's hard to be really private in a household with nine people. Um, so the idea of uh, writing a journal was, was intriguing to me. And it wasn't until a few years later. I didn't publish my Camino until four years after I came back from the Camino. Uh, because it was um, the encouragement of people who heard my stories through storytelling and public speaking and keynote speaking that I'd been doing, they encouraged me. They kept saying to me, um, do you have a book? And I'd say, no, no, I'm, I'm not a writer. I'm a storyteller. And people kept asking me, where's your book? We want to know more. We want to know what, what went on in your mind. That's the piece that intrigued people. They wanted to know what was I thinking as I was walking along? You know, what were the thoughts I was having that shifted my perception of, of the world, or my ideas about uh, purpose, or being a pilgrim, or any of those. And so I wrote my Camino because people asked me to, um, and I wrote Confessions of a Pilgrim was the second Camino that I walked alone, I walked the Portuguese route, and the journey was so completely different, just completely different which I didn't expect. I thought I was going to head out on the Camino and just kind of, you know, casually walk. It was only 500K. I could do 500K, no problem. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I had, you know, I got mugged in the, at the airport. They lost my luggage and I lost my eyeglasses, you know, within a couple of days. So um, it, it was a very, very different journey and yet still had the incredible life lessons that the Camino will give us, you know, whether we ask for it or not.
0: (laughs) Did you, you mentioned there that you walked that second Camino alone. These days, do you ever get a chance to walk alone?
1: Um, I'm actually going to walk alone in October. Uh, I'm taking a group, we're doing just the last 100 kilometers of, of the Camino. Usually I take two groups, one group does 225 kilometers, and then that's followed by another group that does 100 kilometers. But in October I'm doing a 100k walk um, over six days with a group. And then I'm leaving the group and I'm meeting a friend. Um, oh, so I won't be alone, actually, but I'm meeting a friend and we're going to walk the Primitivo uh, route starting in Asturias, and spending a lot of time in the mountains in, um, in a very different type of terrain. So it'll, it'll, be, it'll be an interesting journey for me to not be with the group and not be responsible for anyone else.
0: Yeah, that'd be fantastic. I, I ask my guests each week with people considering walking the Camino listening, what is it that you could have left behind? What is something that you often take and you think, I really don't need that?
1: Uh, You mean like in my backpack? Yeah,
0: yeah, in your pack.
1: Yeah. I think I always end up with too many clothes. And I don't, I mean, I I don't have a lot of clothes. It's kind of funny because I've pared down um, how many clothes I have in my wardrobe. Um, And yet there's always this feeling on the Camino that I might need something and i end up taking an article of clothing maybe an extra long sleeve shirt or maybe an extra you know pair of shorts and depending on what i'm doing and with that i learn that as soon as i can let go of it as soon as i can either give it away or leave it at an albergue or you know just just let go of it then something always comes to me yeah. to fill that that spot and it, may, it might be something that fits in my backpack. You know, somebody will give me a stone or a little cross that they made. Or Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. somebody along the way will, will give me something. And so I've learned that if I can just let go, it really does open up space. It opens up the opportunity for something else to come into my life. And as long as I don't have that space, then the opportunity might not present itself.
0: Tell, tell us about, I love that. Tell us about arriving in Santiago. Do most people find it as they expect it, do you think, when you're taking your, your groups in? What do you observe in, in other
1: people's faces? Oh, I love seeing people walk into Santiago <laughs> because there's oh there's always this incredible, magical look on their face because they've done it. They've completed their journey. And it doesn't matter if you've walked 800 kilometers, 1,000 kilometers, 2,000 kilometers, or 100 kilometers. Pilgrims have that same look on their face. And for some, it's um, they don't want the journey to end, so they actually don't want to get to Santiago. For others, it's a celebration. I did it, I made it, they're jumping up. Last year, I have the most beautiful picture of myself with um, a few other, three other pilgrims. And actually, it was in May, and we're jumping up. We're, we're in front of the cathedral, and we're all off the ground with our arms up. And that was exactly the way these pilgrims were feeling about the completion of their journey. And then, you know, others are are injured or struggling or still carrying something with them that, I don't know, I've heard stories of just putting it down in Santiago. You know, once they get to Santiago, then they can finally let go, and really move on in their life. But for me, it's it's a very, very joyous experience. I love getting to Santiago.
0: <laughs> and there's so many people have said to me on these podcasts, that's where their Camino began, that day, yes. that oh, yeah. day, and yes. getting home. And you know, indeed, one of my guests said, I don't still think I can talk about it. It's really hard. I, I haven't really been able to sort of, come to terms with it. We, we talked about the energy and we talked about what people can expect in terms of that spiritual juju, as as one of my other guests, Rebecca Scott, called it. <laughs> how, do you, yes. how do you explain it to people, that spiritual nature, that energy?
1: Well, I think I'm at a point in my life now where I'm attracting people of a similar mind. Uh, people that are interested in and in having a spiritual experience I now walk the Camino I'm a barefooter now
0: yeah we're going to talk um, about I, that we're going to talk about that in a minute yeah, yeah but go on
1: yeah so just the idea of wanting to be connected with the earth and and understanding that there's something you know beyond each of us and wanting to know more about that the other thing is the Camino, the idea that people have been walking it for you know a thousand years and and all of the pilgrims of the past have stepped into you know the footsteps of each other and what i find is a a lot of people who walk with me are intrigued by this idea of being able to you know physically step into the footsteps but also there's an energy there that allows us to reconnect you know with our past or reconnect with um, other, even other realms, um, if it were, but understanding what that is and being able to connect with that is something that we sometimes struggle to find here back home. But on the Camino, you have even energetic ley lines, very important energetic ley lines on the Camino that are connected to the rest of the world. That, that is, um, a whole other side of the Camino that is intriguing to many people, sorry, um, who are, um, you know, or just developing their level of consciousness. And so I think what happens is I end up attracting people like that and rather than having to convince them, um, it's more about uh, they just want to come. They want to yeah. have that kind of an experience.
0: Yeah. yeah. And I, I interviewed the Australian filmmaker Bill Bennett in week three of my oh, podcasts. Yeah. And, and Bill sees the Camino in terms of alchemy and he says it instigates change. <laughs> That is lying dormant within us, that we're all in a state of potential, that we're in weight, as it were. It's an interesting theory, isn't it, Sue, given now that we come home, we all still sense and, and feel a part of the Camino community. And that's very much because of the energy that we have experienced.
1: Yeah. Yes, and I believe that I have walked the Camino in another life. Um, I haven't you know, had a chance to really understand that. I haven't seen it. It's not like I know who I was, but I believe that I know the Camino and that I understand it at a very deep level, and I want to be there again and again. I also believe that being in nature opens us to, uh, you know, pure potentiality, just to understanding, um, you know, the, the, the cycles of our world, of our life. And there is, um, like the Japanese call uh, forest bathing. It's called Shinrin um, Yoku. And they've studied it, and, and they understand that when we are just in the presence of trees, that it is healing us. That it is—it's uh, healing our mind and healing our body. And just that idea of of being able to uh, be in a healing state—it gives us more freedom to expand uh, with a with a level of confidence. So for me, it's now become the Camino has become this—you know—obviously uh, the energetic portal and the connection to. Um, the Ley Lines and the Pilgrims of the Past, but also that's below ground in some ways, but then above ground being in nature has completely shifted my world and the the wisdom that I've acquired from spending time in nature is, is beyond what I can even talk about because it's it's um, it's not like picking up a book and and reading about consciousness Um, Rather, it's this idea of experiencing a a level of consciousness. And I believe that each pilgrim who's spent, whether they've spent a week, a month, two months, three months, whatever time they've spent, they've been outdoors most of the time. They've been in the rhythm and the cadence of nature. And once we reconnect to that rhythm and cadence, then I believe that it opens up great possibilities.
0: And so let's get to your barefoot shoes. You were wearing them the day I met you in the Blue Mountains. Where did the inspiration come from from, for barefoot shoes? And tell us about them.
1: (laughs) Um, I was sitting at my cottage. I had just been for a walk. I came back and sat by the water and I just had this, like a message that came to me. Uh, to be still, and I was as still as I could be, but I couldn't feel the ground, so I took off my shoes and socks. I put my feet on the ground, and immediately there was a surge of energy that went through my feet and all the way through my body, and I thought, whoa, I think I've just discovered something that I've been looking for for my whole life, and it was the actual connection with the Great Mother through the earth. And the connection with the world, this idea of you know whether it's you know being grounded, um, just just having that that physical connection. So I started walking, which was very difficult at first. I couldn't I couldn't walk down my driveway, which is limestone gravel, because it hurt too much. Over time, I I read about all the health benefits of being barefoot, um, just how it relates to realigning your body so that so that you're better aligned, that you have better posture. It releases the myofascial system, which means that you're more flexible. You have 100,000 sensory nerve endings on the bottom of each foot. And once these nerve endings are activated, again, because they, they don't have to be used very much when you're wearing shoes, but when you're barefoot, they need to be activated and connect to your brain so that your brain can you know, help take care of you and make sure that you don't fall and that you don't slide or that you, um, you know, that you're balanced. And these neural pathways are recreated to the brain and that it was like exercise for my brain when I started barefooting um, because I was taking in all these different sensations and I was actually using my feet for what they were designed to do. And what I found is the next time I walked the Camino after I'd been barefoot for you know, six or eight months, I found that my ankles were so strong and my balance was complete and absolute. I mean, when I was on the Portuguese committee, no, no, it was another. Commi- Sorry, I walked the contrary way. So I walked from Santiago to Saint Jean Pied de Port one oh, year as well.
0: Right?
1: Yeah, I know. That's a that's my third book, which isn't complete yet, but it will be. Uh, when I was walking the reverse way, I I. I fell. I fell on the Camino with a full backpack on. And I landed, this is kind of funny, I landed on my side and then sort of rolled over into a ditch. And there I was, you know, like a, like an upside-down turtle with my arms and legs waving to each side. But I couldn't get up, Dan. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't. And I, I'm lying there by myself thinking, what am I supposed to do? I mean, eventually, you know, I managed to get up. But the thing is, it's so important as a pilgrim to be to have your body ready for the rigors of walking, you know, 20, 25, 30, whatever, however many kilometers a day you're walking. And I found that training barefoot gave me that strength, the balance. It gave me a sense of understanding Um, the terrain that I was on and the environment that I was walking in. Whereas when you're wearing boots, sure, it could be raining and you know that it's slippery somewhere, but you're constantly in a state of anxiety about possibly slipping or falling. Um, When you're barefoot and it's raining, you know exactly what the terrain is. You know that your feet respond, the skin on the soles of your feet respond to wetness and and they grip onto the rocks they'll grip onto anything that they can and keep you upright that's their job so one thing led to another and I started walking barefoot into stores and restaurants and then promptly got thrown out (laughs) and it was embarrassing like I was I was truly embarrassed when two people would come up to me in a store, in a grocery store, and say, "Excuse me, do you have any shoes with you?" You know, and I'd say, "Well, no, no, I'm I'm not wearing my shoes." And I'd say, "Well, I'm afraid you're going to have to leave the store," and and then they would escort me to the door as though I was going to uh, do something I don't know, and I was so embarrassed by it, and that I thought. Okay, well, I went to the forest actually. I went to the forest and often in the forest I will just ask a question. You know, if you have a question in life that you that I can't find an answer to, I will just go to the forest or the Camino, I do it on the Camino, ask the question, sometimes once, sometimes numerous times, without any expectation of an answer. And a hundred percent of the time the answer will come to me in a time and a space and a place where I least expected it. So sure enough, I went to the forest and, you know, asked the question, what, what do I do? Like, how, how do I manage this? How do I continue to be connected to the Great Mother and yet live in this world, this society that thinks that barefooting is unhygienic or that it's dangerous or whatever? And sometime later, the answer came to me. And it was to design a shoe without a sole. And so I sat down with an old leather coat I had and started cutting around my foot. I laid the leather over my foot, I started cutting, and before, like within hours, I had the the basic design of bare bottom shoes.
0: And so you now talk about it, It's, it's a huge part of your life.
1: You yeah.
0: you must just absolutely love the continued fascination with it. Like like I'm I'm fascinated by it. I could have just sat there <laughs> listening to you talk and talk and talk. And, and you must just absolutely <laughs> love that that your connection with the earth and your your reaching out for that connection with the earth has has given you this this point of difference. This this something very special to talk about.
1: Yeah, and if you look back. You know, if we just go back to the beginning of this conversation that we were, we were having when we talked about, you know, living a, a journey with purpose, living your yeah. life journey with purpose. I thought when I came back from the Camino in 2001 that my purpose was my vo- voice. And here I've gone on the Camino. So imagine I walked the Camino. I came home. I never left the Camino. For me, the Camino, just it just continues. I never really come home and go back. It's, I'm living the life of a pilgrim. And so if, you, if I look at the journey of the Camino taking me down my path to telling stories, to guiding groups, to, to coaching individuals, to doing the work that I do. And, of course, every time I came home, I went to the forest and, because I wanted to walk, because I, I was a pilgrim. And there the forest then showed me that there is another way. And now I think that I was destined to be barefoot, that the Camino was trying to tell me that a long time ago, but I couldn't hear it. Um, So it's just I I have to wonder what is next.
0: Well, (laughs) you won't believe that. that. My next question is what is on the horizon for Sue Kenny? That is my next question.
1: I know. And, and so I will tell you what's, what's next. I, I'm writing a book, and it's almost finished. It'll be published probably the end of September. And the book is called How to Wear Bare Feet. <laughs> oh. And it's really awesome. It's, a, it's stories. It's, it started off as a guide, you a know, five-step guide on how to integrate barefooting into your lifestyle. I started writing I I, I had to tell stories and and in the so in the telling of the stories you understand what it is and I actually have a chapter there on the Camino um, because I want I really want to encourage Camino pilgrims to consider the idea of either preparing for the Camino um, using barefoot training so not you, you don't have to be a barefooter you don't have to go barefoot every day but incorporating um connecting to the earth to your camino training both to make you stronger and but also to align your body so that you know it will help you to walk longer distances but then also to do some barefooting on the camino so for me the next step after that once my book is launched how to dive how to do scuba dive and i'm ex- i'm going to explore under the water.
0: You're going to scuba dive. Yeah. Wow, okay. So the connection with the earth, yeah. you want to go beneath the water.
1: Yes, where it all started, really, when we think about it. Where uh, I just want to, I want to be, a, I want to be nature, be earth, be, you know, all of, I, I just want to be a part of everything. So, so I'm going to put some fins on instead of bare feet or, float, or you know shoes or boots and explore underwater. And I think, I, I feel like that might be part of the next journey of my life. I, I don't know how it's going to unfold, but I know that I'm being called to do it. And that's what I'm going to do.
0: Fascinating. Well, I, I know that I speak on behalf of all of my listeners in saying that we will be fascinated to watch How it all unfolds, because I'm certain there'll be a story or two to be told. Sue, thank you. Congratulations. And thank you so much for your time. I've loved talking to you. I can't believe it's been 45 minutes. It's felt like 10.
1: Oh, thank you so much, Dan. And I've really enjoyed your questions and your exploration of the Camino journey. And thank you for all that you're doing for the pilgrims, who um, you know are either about to embark on their journey or have embarked on it. The work you're doing is really, really important. So thank you from all the pilgrims.
0: Well, you know, I I, I hope one day to cross paths with you in the in Canada. I have a a, a cutout on my wall at work because I met those great Canadians, uh, Doug and Miles, and kevin when i walked last year and it's a saying when i'm in canada i feel like this is what the world should be like
1: yeah oh that's wonderful well i loved being i loved being in australia but if you are ever in canada please give me a call and i'll take you to my favorite forest and we can go for a little mini camino walk a
0: a bit of forest bathing i love the sound of it thanks thanks (laughs) so much sue
1: and Buen Camino on your on your upcoming journey. Thank you
0: very much, and and Buen Camino on your continued journey. Thanks, Sue uh, Sue gra- Kenny gracias. there, and you can buy Sue's books, My Camino: The True Story of a Woman Confronting Her Deepest Fear and Confessions of a Pilgrim, via suekenny.ca. S-U-E-K-E-N-N-E-Y, suekenny.ca. That's all we have time for this week. I'm Dan Mullins, and I'm heading off on my second Camino end of next week the end of august i'm carrying a parlor guitar on my back and the plan is to sing for my supper you can find me by searching hashtag the singing pilgrim or in spanish hashtag el peregrino cantante until next week i'm out collecting miles i'm tan mullins buen camino